With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hello, this is Denise Michaels along with Kim Potter. Today, uh, author of Secrets of Lasting Change Revealed, How to Change Your Brain Chemistry by Doing Nothing. Or at least we think that might be the title. Um, today is Friday, February the 20th. And hi, Kim. How are you? I'm very good, thanks. Thanks. So, What a great uh, title. What a great title for the book for us lazy people. Uh, yeah. We're falling in well, love. We're doing nothing. Wow. Right, right. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you, you know, you always said from the beginning we have to do like a little a little trick, like trick them somehow. So the title yeah. definitely does that. So I think so, yeah. Well, it's not a trick. It, it's like too good to be true almost. It's like, but in itself, it's not the easiest thing to do, you know? In a, in a way, it's kind of a shift in culture. Yeah, you know? it is. You know, yeah. one of the things I was thinking about after I changed, I sent you the last chapter um, mm-hmm. is... You know, we talked about your experience with Asians, mm-hmm. you know, um, except Asia is a massive, massive continent. I mean, Turkey is Asia. India is Asia, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you feel that's reflective of the continent, I'll keep it that way, or we can shift it to Thai or Thailand. It's up to you. You, men- you, you mentioned Thailand. I did you mention did, Thailand? Okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you did. And one thing I will address is, the example with the, the Thai girl that I was getting the medicine started off as a phone call, but then it ended up that I could see her. The actual fact was I walked into her office. I didn't call her. And, I mean, anybody looking with a translation problem, you're not going to call. So, I right. mean, I picked that up. It's like I called her. No, I walked into her office, and she, like, like didn't even act or respond for any reason that I might be there. But it's as a whole, any, you know, India is further ahead because they do think, but that's only a percentage of the Indians, you know, they're still a majority. And I have to tell you, I'm married to an Indian, okay? I mean, he's been in the U.S. for many, many years. But I was thinking that about Asians, and I thought, well, India is like a totally different country. But... You know, it's only been the last five years that I've been able to get Ernie, like if he's running a bunch of errands, he would like run one errand, come home, run another yeah. errand, come home. You well, know, it's like, no, you like you line them up and, right, exactly what you say, you know, you line yeah. them up, you know. So anyway, he finally, he does that now, you know, but uh, yeah. like you say, you know, he had to be in America for 45 years before he actually was willing to do it, you know. Well, you have to to survive. And I mean, for an American going to Asia, it's the same. You have to slow down to be able to survive. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you drive yourself crazy over there because things don't get done at that rate. Everything's a lot slower. Well, that's true in a lot of countries. 
though. I mean, that, like that's definitely true in places like, say, Mexico. Um, well, again, yeah, it's going down. Right. So it it's seems true like in Hawaii. The, you yeah, know? the civilized, so-called advanced um, races, civil, you know, areas um, are forced to to do more, to think more, to be more, you know, presumed to be more efficient. But I have to question that at times. Right, right. Um, um, I was thinking about love. <laughs> well, you know, I was opening everything up this morning, yeah, and okay. I came to like some, you know, like a little tiny bit of leftover notes yeah. from, uh, you know, a meeting we had, you know, whenever we had it, and and it said, you know, the little file was called Notes on Love. And I yeah, thought, okay. I wonder, you know, because relationships are such a huge, important part of our lives, you know. Yeah. Um, I wonder I, if a chapter on relationships is... Well, relationships or love. I mean, it's the same thing, really, but I... Of um, course it is. I posted something on my Facebook about epigenetics, how scientists are getting down to genetic expression and the underlying of cancer and they're looking for more, what was the word? They're not specialized drugs. Um, it's a, more of a, a word like a target. It's um, a drug that's more uh, Me? target. Me? Uh, I can't remember. It, it's like, I'm going to use a word like marksman drugs. You know, we're in requirement of more to hit a specific area. And so I posted that and I had um, somebody and I know them what they do. They're like, um, they run, do a lot of child education, peace education with schools and that. And they just commented, well, thank you, Kim, but what's this got to do with love? And I thought, wow, let me go into the document. And it didn't mention love at all. So I just, you know, I put a comment back. Hey, Vicky, are you trying to bait me? And I said, um, um, are, you, are you referencing the love that we would find in a dictionary? Or are you referencing the love that is linked to behavior? I'm thus looking at it on Facebook right now. Yeah. Us, thus epigenetic genetic behavior. And I mean, that's the definition and that's basically the subject that love could be about, is what is it? What is love? Well, it's, um, it's a combination of chem- chemicals that pull us, attract us to an individual. And, um, you know, men are more um, detailed of what they perceive they need or require, and it, it's typically the curves. Let's leave it at that. Okay. Um, and women are very similar, but in their own filtering. So there's a filtration of what we would accept. And, and you know, in a woman that that's per se um, takes care of herself, works out, and very conscious on her diet, to you know, to date somebody morbidly obese, I'm not going through a judgment on this, maybe not within her acceptance, thus her filter. So we all have filtrations. Now, um, and I can build on this actually, 
Um, and once we're in that filtration, then we have the level of attraction. Now, the attraction, if that in itself is an addiction, which it is, so for the attraction to grow, it needs more of the same. It falls into an addictive pattern. So the same level of chemistry that pulls us in to be attracted to like somebody is the same chemistry but turned up a notch that we call love. So it's just an increasement, 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 increasement. Now I love you. Now I'm attached to you. I'm drawn to you. But it's all chemistry going on within our own brains. And um, I spoke to an attorney. We seem to go back to attorneys a lot, even the first <laughs> guided meditation. And I think I can I'll be careful how I do this. Um, he was looking for a woman. And I said, well, so what we're going to do is with everything you've told me and everything I've asked, next week we're going to meet. And I'm going to have six women for you. How do you feel about that? And he goes, well, I know this is a game, but he said, but good. And I said, so um, the first one walks in, and you give me this sly look, and I think, not got it right. And he puts like a very subtle thumbs down. I'm like, okay. So I'm thinking, well, the next one I haven't got at all. This is very similar to the first. And even before the second one walks through the door, he's, his body language is picking up. And I'm like, wow, that's just shocking. And he, he loves this woman. So we put that one aside. So we go through this, and he picks out two or three, and then the sixth one walks in. Now, is, is he picking out, like, pictures, or is he picking out... No, real, real life people. I'm doing this actually physically talking to him on this. Oh, I'm trying, okay. My goal is to introduce something to him. So, right. and it, so we're going through this visual I'm playing with him. And talking to him, he's looking at me, and I said, then number six comes in. And you give me this look like, what the? I said, nothing like what you think, huh? And he goes, I'm getting what you're saying. I said, but hey, she's come a long way to meet you. Take her for a cup of coffee. And have a conversation. And then during the conversation, you start to find something you like about her. So... You've worked through your filter sage of acceptance, but you're still talking to this woman. He goes, I know what you're doing. I know what you're doing. And uh, I said, what am I doing? And he goes, I have a housekeeper. That does not fit into my profile. But the more time I spend around her, we can't use this, but this is what his terminology was. He said, I want to jump her bones. Yeah, okay. So I'm, we I, should say I'm attracted to her. Well, yeah, we've got to make some statement to suggest it wasn't attracted. He wanted to go all the way and make babies right. with her, let's say. So, okay, okay. But that, was, that wasn't something that he would expect. That's something he wouldn't accept. So we, we appear to have two layers. Male, the male one, um, more with the ego, is more prof, you know, defined to be very physical. Um, hence, you know, Playboy, the center page girls, a swimsuit. It's all playing on the male ego. Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, Which sounds better than any other issue of the year. Well, of course. Of course it would. And, I mean, they very, very cleverly market it. So women, their filters are still in place. 
but I think there's a bigger variant and there's a little more flexibility. Now, but we have that. But then through that filtration pulls in a level of attraction. And typically what I ask people is, you know, to describe to me what nature survival in the fittest is in the animal kingdom. They say the strongest, the ones with the best camouflage, the ones that can climb the best, et cetera, et cetera, um, survive. So then I ask them, so what happens to the other? They go, well, they are cold. They don't make it. I, basically, they die. Mm-hmm. So, so I say, Darwin. Yeah, so I say to you, you know, the person I'm talking to, so um, you survived, didn't you? And they go, well, yeah, obviously so. And I say, what did you survive? And it's like, what do you mean? And I said, well, all the traits in the animals were very, like, running away, hiding, you know, very traumatic in a way. So what trauma did you survive? And they go, well, you wouldn't believe. It's, like, horrible. And I said, so you're good at that then? They go, well, no. And I said, well, you survived. So imagine if nature took that as a survival trait, which it does. So whatever it was we survived, especially when we were very young, and we've got to take into that consideration sensitivity of the child because a more sensitive child may find something far more traumatic than another child in the same experience. So it, it, it's up to the individual to their sensitivity to what they deem as traumatic. Now, nature has it, I believe, that we're to pass on our survival traits to the next generation. <clears throat> yeah, but people say, and I say, but what? They say, well, education. I go, no, we're not talking about education. We're talking about behavior. And what would we need if we were to pass on a particular trait? Oh, a particular partner. Well, a particular trait in a partner. Now, how does nature have it that we are attracted to that particular trait. Oh, our filter system. I go, no. That's something we we perceive we have control of. Attraction. It's attraction. Nature is pulling us through attraction to the right profile of person. Well, I don't like that, they say. My ex-husband, whatever, and it's like, uh, uh, that doesn't define a yes or no. It happened. You were attracted. Well, at first, uh, I don't care. You were still attracted at first. And you were attracted towards your survival instinct. And that is engaged in, so when we reproduce, we pass that on to our children. But we're different than animals. Really. Really. So, well, yes, yes, we are. We've, we've taken ourselves out of the physical trait. And now it's become an emotional trait. Can I ask you a question? Mm-hmm. Okay. So the fact that we pass that on to our children, mm-hmm. is that biological or is that conditioning and environmental or a combination of both? Well, this is what it comes down is epigenetics, which is EPI, genetics. Epigenetics is I'm going to go read that article on your page. Yeah, it, it's controlled above. There's a lot more into it. It's like they're looking at um, 
oh, I, I'm going to say this word in a minute, the medicine, how to look at illness, um, is a lot of what defines you and me, the difference is how our genes are expressed. But basically, we share a human gene, um, a genome. So how that's expressed creates the individuality, and that is through epigenetics. Epi meaning control above. And the protein sheath protecting the DNA um, is now known to switch on and off a genetic expression. Um, and these traits are not known to pass from mother to child. Um, somewhere early stages, there is a cleaning of the epigenetic traits. This is, this is termed as methylization. Um, there are rare instances that the epigenetic traits pass from one to the other. Um, very rare and not a consistency. So it seems like that we're wiped clean somewhere early on only to relearn. And that is the purpose of the parents to pass that on to the child through experiences. And it's not a monkey see, monkey do. It's brain stimulation to brain being passed on to the child. Um, I think rule of thumb is, uh, you know, little boy to father, little girl to mother as attachment. Um, but that's just a generalization. The truth goes down to that the child spends nine months with the mother. So the predominance of this stimulation, the starting of sensitivity, etc., comes from the mother. You know, it's often said that girls pick someone like their father and boys want to pick someone like their mother. No. Really? <laughs> yes. I just thought we should address it. <laughs> well, who else would be our teacher? Right. You know, right. I hear a lot of people say that I am doing my best not to be like a, a certain person. Mm -hmm. It's like, so what are, you, what are you resisting? What we resist persists. I would suggest you stop fighting it. And there's, there's a saying, you know, um, I'm thinking ahead as I bring this in. Um, the, the apples don't fall very far from the tree. Typically, that's a female saying. We hear that mm -hmm. about girls at all sense or matters of behavior. But there's a male saying as well. Of course, the little boy is, is, you know, from his father, and the father taps him on the shoulder until the little boy messes up, and then it's son of a bitch. Mm -hmm. It all mm -hmm. goes back to the mother. Which, um, of course, kind I'm, of blames the mother again, you know, in a way. Of course, yes. yeah. As I say, it all sources from the mother. That's why the child spends nine months, and the child is learning from the nervous stimulation um, chemistry being induced into the, the young child of early behavior, early sensitivity. And it is, um, um, I've seen several articles, I've seen ones uh, way back where it was stated that they believe that um, cells from the child remain in the mother for a purpose, and that's a mother's intuition. I saw one more recently um, 
maybe the end of last year, maybe January this year, um, where it was stated that brains from the child remains in the mother's brain. I I see this. The reason why, a mother's intuition, yes, but we're all attached. And as the mother goes through experiences, it's passing on, passing down to to a child. And that's why with um, a blueprint for changes, we've had a lot of success with the mother utilizing one of the symbols and seeing major changes happening in a child. So I yeah, mean, that is, that w- the, is that the one you were talking about that had insomnia and the facial tics and nightmares? Well, we've, got, we've got that. We've got several autistic children that couldn't talk and now talk. Wow, um, that's happened. huge. It happened within weeks, weeks of them not being able to talk to start muttering words and putting sentences together. Well, that's huge, Kim, you know. I know. It's a miracle. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's where theme stimulation is based. That's the um, the <laughs> process where we're creating um, and ta- going to target autism with it. Right, right. I know... This is this is a personal question, but I know Asperger's, which you know you've talked about throughout our conversations, um, is a much milder form of autism. Did you talk start talking at a pretty you know normal age? I know you're going to say what's normal. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I was around a lot of animals when I was very young. Um, okay. Chickens, dogs, cows, in particular. So. There's the trait, you know, we find that, um, you know, individuals on the autistic spectrum typically have an attachment to nature animals. So, you know, I'm sort of looking at it a little skeptical with thinking that it's nature's way to attach us back to nature, that it's a natural part of evolution. Mm-hmm. Because that seems to be a predominant animals, nature, plants that you know that the the autistic spectrum individuals attach to, including me. Look at my life with birds. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, so um, we were talking more about relationships, and then I kind of shifted for a second there because. I was fascinated with what you were saying about how Blueprint for Changes is helping people, uh, children with autism. Well, how do helping, you feel? It's helping the parents that are transferring to the children. Ah, okay. It, it's not work, you know, blue, um, I'd say Blueprint, the symbols work directly with adults. Theme stimulation, which is in process development right now, is working with the, the children direct. The problem we have um, or what I perceive is if I start marketing that look what the symbols have done for young children, the mothers will rush out, purchase these symbols, utilize them, um, observe their children. It's like I don't see anything up to my children yet. And it's like, well, you have to do it for yourself. No, I want to do it for my child. And we yes, so we've got to make sure, that's, make sure that's yeah. clarified. Yeah. yeah, so that's why right now we're not showing any of these testimonials. We're going to wait until theme stimulation is available 
and then we're going to start to market it. Then we have a product for the child and a product for the adult. Okay. Okay. How do you feel Blueprint for Changes is helpful for adults specifically in relationships? Well, I think we've addressed that, but the underlying attraction to a relationship um, is potentially the trauma that we experienced as a young child. And that starts to typically surface in the relationship, whether it be depression, anxiety, um, selfishness, etc., etc. And that becomes a problem, a quagmire in the relationship. And at this level, if we look at it, um, you know, a lot of people don't want to alter the meaning of love. And um, we've we've addressed this, I think, with the mud gray. You know, I, uh, love, as in a relationship, typically isn't a pure emotion. It's a mixture of multiple emotions, um, a mixture which is individual to all of us. And um, a lot of it may be anger, a lot of it may be depression, it may be anxiety, which in itself is a chemical stimulation, of course. Sure, and that sure. becomes convoluted in the word that we spell as L-O-V-E. Well, you know, if somebody's gone through an experience that deemed um, a divorce, a separation, and we ask them what they're looking for, they're going to use that word again. Well, the association that they have with that word is historical. Is what? Is historical. Oh, historical. You you utilize a word that we've typically used, and I say, what are you looking for? And they, they say love, and I say, oh, the same. They say no, something different. I said, well, you've got to use a different word. Well, what about I'm fucked up? And it's like, well, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it's like now we're getting closer. Mm -hmm. Now we're getting closer to what the meaning is. So don't use that word. We've got to stop using it. And here we come in. It's definitely an emotionally charged word. Well, yes, it is. And I come in and I say, I think you're looking for a more peaceful relationship. And what, well, peace doesn't feel the same as love. I'm like, no, it doesn't. But you don't think it could be something similar at base? We get too attached to it. Well, I think people definitely attach themselves to the chemistry and overwhelming feelings of new love and hoping that all of that is going to last forever when, you know, everyone says it fades within, what, four to six months, you know? Um, Well, that's the honeymoon period. Right. Um, And then we've got the seven-year cycle in the body where the body completely duplicates itself, replaces itself. So the same stimulation of chemistry is not the same anymore. So, you know, we we fall in that, we call that the seven-year itch. Not really understanding what it's all about. 
but there's a biological understanding in that. And, um, you know, if you start to look at this, you can see that we've really created, as I say, a quagmire for ourselves. It's very complex. Um, Even grasping the full truth of it in itself is very challenging, which we've discussed that because it means evaluating ourselves. You know, I think I, I think I mentioned, I think I mentioned to you over with groups that I've been talking to, you know, giving them homework to go out with somebody they have no chemistry with. Right, right. And I say, well, why would I do that? <laughs> like, because you say you want to change. That's why. And change isn't anything you're familiar with. Yeah, but. But chemistry is important. And it's like, well, do we really understand what it is and what its purpose is? Because if we were to understand the underlying structures of the brain that are incorporating, stimulating this chemistry, and what created that, you might want to change your mind. But that doesn't change the chemistry. And and we don't see it as the same because the chemistry stimulates our sensory brain, all of our senses. It turns them on to pay attention. So we put very vibrant colors into the scenery. And as we move on onto a new stimulation, the chemical stimulation relative to memory is pulled away. Fades to black and, and white it fades down to a grayscale, black and white. It has no color. And we say, well, it's the same. And you look at a black and white picture, somewhat faded, and you look at this very vibrant, colorful picture, and it goes, no, it's not the same. It's like, well, it is. It is the same. How can it be different? Well, I feel different about it this time. You feel different because your perception of history has diminished. It's <laughs> It's moved. You no longer have the association of chemistry in this memory. So you mm-hmm. cannot link it. It's not connected, but it's the same. It's really impossible to see it in the present the way you did when you were all hot and heavy for this person. Yeah. Yeah, because... Right? It's not just a memory, it's a stimulation of chemistry. It's like very similar if we go to extremes of drinking drinking a cup of water. Well, no, let's go the other way. Drinking a cup of vodka and go, well, how does that feel? And you go, wow, I've got to buzz off that. And um, eventually, what looks to be the vodka in time turns into water. And you go, well, why don't you go back to there? And you go, well, this is water now. It's not the same. Well, it's the same example. There's, there's no stimulation. It mm-hmm. isn't the same stimulation. It's passed onto a different environment. And that's our perception that this is new. This has changed. All of the changes, the stimulation's changed from one environment, one person to another. 
Nothing's changed. We're just being fooled. Do you think our perception, you know, you say it's the same, and I believe you because you've convinced me over time, you know. Do you think the... um, what is going on that we convince ourselves, no, it's different this time when it really isn't? I mean, yes, it's faded into the background. I get that. You know, we don't have the same chemical attachment that we once did. But we literally convince ourselves it's different this time. Okay. It's the same as watching um, a soap opera on the television. And the soap opera is stimulating certain chemistry. I mean, that's what their soap opera is for. And then we change channels and watch a documentary. And we're going to say that it's a different television. And I say, well, how, how can you say that's a different television? He go, well, because it feels different. Now, this is very easy. And then we would say, no, Kim, it's the same television. It's just a different channel. Come on. And I say, well, the same thing happens with our senses. We switch. It's the same television. You just accepted that was the same television because of a different stimulation. I'm saying that's a different TV than the documentary and the soap opera. You can see that. Then why can't we see it in ourselves? It's just a different stimulation. Because we're horrible, we're horrible observers. Well, it's actually impossible. Mm-hmm. It's actually impossible to be an observer of ourselves. You know, you talk about being the observer, the power of the observer. Yes. But for us to take that and observe ourselves, it's the concept that we step out of ourselves and observe ourselves. It's like, um, yeah, really. Can somebody show me how to do that? We can start to become more aware. Yes. And how do we do that? By stopping. And just becoming more aware. So it's a lot of a misleading concept. So how do we have better relationships? Especially like you're already in a relationship. Well... If we use the word better, we're presuming that we are referencing something that is, I'm going to use this bad term, worse. And <laughs> as, soon as, we, as soon as we judge something, our brain finds it very, very hard, especially in a negative format, to pay attention to it. We don't want to look at it. You know, I spoke in a church years ago. I don't know whose idea it was to allow me to do that, but that was very brave of somebody. And um, (laughs) I never know what to talk about. And I went into this church a long, long time ago and said, well, today we're going to talk about the darkness. And I stopped as I saw everybody's body language shift. And they started talking to each other like their hands in front of their mouth. I said, what's wrong? Somebody said, this is a church. And I said, I know it is. I said, but aren't you here because of the darkness? 
And they say, oh, no, no, no. If you want to use that term, we're here for the light. I said, can so, I ask, can I yeah, ask what, kind of, what kind of church it was, if it was like more of a spiritual new agey or a traditional church? or It was, um, oh, um, is one that's known for openness of all beliefs, not not deemed as spiritual, la la, but more religious open. science is kind of open to all faiths. So is unity. Uh, unity. Unity. It was yeah, one, I like it unity. Was, it was a branch off a unity church. Okay. So okay. they said, so you know, we're all here for the light, and I said, so none of you are here because of darkness in your life. That's none of that brought you here. Like a bad relationship, a bad experience, a bad workplace. None of that none of that brought you here. And they said, Well, yes, yes, yes. And I said, Well, I'm just coining that as darkness. And as soon as we want to start to address it and I say darkness, nobody wants to look at it. I said, Has anybody got a flashlight here? Let's put some light on it, shall we? And see just how dark it is. I said, so we judge that. So as soon as we say a better relationship, in a way, to coin the phrase, we want a lighter, thus that's darker. Well, don't we need to address that? Don't we need to address the problematic areas? And if we start judging it, the brain has a historical way shut it down. We don't want to talk about that. You know, I know what you're meaning, but let's move on. And I say, well, don't we have to create the light out of the presumed darkness? Mm-hmm. Or, or do you want to leave the darkness there and go over and attempt to do something else? Well, that sounds like the secret to me. We're going to build something in another part of the brain that's not designed to do it. And that's the problem. So we've got to be careful when we say better. I say different. Okay. Different is, All right. different is not it. But it's, 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 it's needed to put that in because a lot of people do this. They, they don't realize what they're doing to themselves shutting some old down, perceiving that they can go on, and that's going to stay shut down because it doesn't work that way. It's very obedient, and it seems to behave at the moment, but it's just like, whatever. I'll wait for them to sleep. I'll wait for them to relax, to relapse back into the same behavior, and I'll just flow back into place again. So how do we have relationships that are different Different. Well, the first thing we've got to do, we've got to recognize exactly what the problem is. And relationships are pretty problematic because there's two people involved. Right. And it, <laughs> right. It, it, means, it means getting both people to look at themselves and stop pointing fingers. And basically, we start to look at the relationship within ourselves. Because that's what's attached us to the relationship we're in with this other individual. Mm. You know, I hear, I hear quite often, you know, you know, 
They go, do you know I married the same person? Well, I really do you don't mean know. Like a, do you mean like a second marriage? They married the same person? Well, I don't know what they really mean by that. Do they mean they married the same person as in the same person, the name, or they married the same person as it being identical? The same kind of person. Yes. I don't know what they mean. I, I hear it both ways. So I, I have to ask, do they have the same name? Because just to quantify exactly what they're saying. But it doesn't I always, matter. I always jokingly say, same guy, different haircut. <laughs> See, well, there you go. Yeah, it is the same. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Go ahead. No, Can but I it's the same. Time? It's the same. And you go, no. I'm like, what do you mean, no? Well, this is nothing like. It was like, okay. Okay. Is it is it possible to have a different, and I'm going to put in parentheses, and improved relationship with the same person? Yes. Yes. But it involves growth from two players, personal growth. Okay. I believe it, it, it can. Um, on occasion, we can progress and grow. Now, the word growth, again, does not necessarily mean negative or positive. So when we see a relationship, per se, going downhill, we can't take it out, well, that relationship is growing the way that it should grow. It's just mm-hmm. progressing. You know, we can't use a term to explain everything. It's it's each individual. And it, I know you don't like words. <laughs> yeah, it, it's Well, we can't. Because you can go, right. well, like Janet and John that fight like cat and dog, you're going, that's progressive? That's growing? And I say, well, look at it. It's accelerating. Yes, it's mm-hmm. growing. And you go, well, so these two that are working through it, and I say, well, they're also growing. Well, we grow so, uh, too, right? But we don't necessarily want them. Ex- exactly. So we got to be careful of our own judgments. And, you know, we can learn a lot to how we judge others, to what we're missing in ourselves. I'm just taking I mean, it all in. Yeah. Go ahead. So I I think that's important, and I think one of the best ways to look at a relationship if there is a problem is to address with each other what each person is good at. And, of course, they're going to come up, well, you know, I earn a living, um, I do the cooking, and it's like, no, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the challenges you have. Let's talk about how good you are. Let's really address. Let's really address what's going on. Well, I'm good at really upsetting my wife, one might say. And it's like, good. How'd you do that? There you go. That's honest. You wouldn't believe it. And I do this and this and that. And I'm like, this person is not... every time. Yeah, it's, it's not judging. They're actually being truthful and starting to look at what they're doing. Because that's what needs to change. Well, somebody else says, well, no, what I do is go and buy them flowers. <laughs> I go, well, that's denial. Why do you buy them flowers? Well, when they're upset, and it's like, why are they upset? 
I don't know. Well, in a think, way, it's like it's like a temporary Band-Aid over cancer or something. Well, and I say, so you don't want to address what you're good at? He goes, well, I'm good at making peace. And I'm like, you're still missing it. Why do you have to make peace? Well, she gets upset, and it's like we just keep on going around. Why does she get upset? I don't know. And it's like, you have no idea. Well, she says this. Well, do you think what she says is true? Well, I think she exaggerates. Okay, she may exaggerate. What's she exaggerating on? Well, I don't really want to talk about it. It doesn't make me feel good. I'm like, well, here we go. But this is the arena we've got to get to. Can't we talk about something that makes us feel good? Yeah. Don't you do that all day and it's called avoidance? And so it's going see, into the going into the dark places, it sounds with a light. like with a, with a light is a where improvement or difference is found. It's well, going into those improvement, places. Not improvement. The first level is to understand. To understand, accept. We would call this observation in a way. You know, when they say, be a better observer, it's a little bit convoluted, that word, but mm, we could twist it to fit. But to go in and observe. Observe what you do. And the thing is, if you're observing what you're doing, you can't be acting out at the same time, can you? Yeah. So there's, a, yeah. there's a subtle difference. So it's, again, doing nothing. So being an observer is doing nothing. It's observing what we might be doing, not play-acting it. It's kind of a proactive doing nothing, though, if you're observing. Y- yes, it is. You know, it rather is. than kind of staying in ignorance. Yeah, exactly. But but you've got to introduce individuals step by step into this. Right. It's a right. very it's a different path that they typically have chosen to do on this. It's a different recourse. And they're they're looking for the ultimate you know, the ultimate fix or cure. Typically the band aid, the numbing. Right. Once they not, go on. Go on. Oh, once they sort of recognize and understand, yeah, I get it, I do that, you know, how challenging is it for them to just stop, pause, do something different? Well, it's exactly the same as um, the the alcohol user opening the refrigerator to grab a bottle of beer and we go, stop, freeze. Well, the act of just standing still, well, that's easy. I can do that. But this instance is a little more difficult. They may say, well, how long do you want me to stand like this for? Five, ten seconds? And we go, and then what are you doing? going to do? And you go, you know what I'm going to do. Uh-uh. No. purpose of this is to stall and realize you have a different option. What, to close the refrigerator? Yeah. But then I'm going to open it again. Well, that doesn't work. 
but we've got to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. And, well, eventually and, you're going to open it to have scrambled eggs or something that's not beer. Yeah, yeah, or milk or, you know, soda or something. You know, it's not typically healthy, but it's a good trade-out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just learning that you have choice. You know, the Alexander's technique um, is an opera singer, Alexander, and he, he started having problems with his throat. And um, out of this came the Alexander's technique. And it's um, they teach people to break their instinctive thoughts down. To be aware they're, they're what of what thoughts down? What thoughts? They're instinctive. They're instinctive, instinctive. thoughts. Okay. And there was um, a place when I lived in England, and I could see these people. They would like move in very robotic motions. That they would make every action a thought. And um, it was to get in and find out and discover what actually is going on. And there was something with this opera singer that his throat would tighten. Mm. And he, he created this technique and found a way to release it. He was oblivious to this in the first place. But by breaking down all the thoughts, all the responses to where you could, I guess, here comes the word, observe it, I say become aware of it, that you you allow yourself choice. You know, but we want the quick fix. Well, you know, that's not going to work in this process. There isn't a quick fix. There's progress. You know, and every day can be progress. But this quick fix, give it up. Do you think like... Um once a person learns the idea to, you know, the, the concept of stop, slow down, make a choice, do something different, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think the, whether it's, you know, fighting with their spouse or pulling that beer from the fridge when they have a problem with alcohol, do you think that after time it gets easier or do they have to be just as conscientious? It gets easier. Um, but the awareness is that there's always more. But the difficulty is learning this process, absorbing it with a consistency. As we start to gain results, of course, we start to feel better about ourselves. We feel more confident. We're more complete. That gets us to search more. It's like, wow, just find something else. And we say, well, you're not approaching it the same way. And it's like, no, it feels different. I have more confidence. I have more understanding on how to approach this. Now, every human being is different. You know, at the beginning, we say that we want to run 10 miles. You know, we're all going to run 10 miles. But over a period of time, we all settle. Some may be half a mile. Some may be five. Some may be 20. So... Each individual has their own choice to how far they want to take this. And really, it's a lifelong lesson. It's a lifestyle adjustment we're looking for. 
we're not wanting the diet concept a perceived amount of time and then I can go back and do the same, right? No, this is a lifestyle adjustment. I think you can be adjust your lifestyle for a long time and slip back into what you didn't want to slip back into. Um, say it again. Let's say you decide that you're going to make a lifestyle change, whether it has to do with health or stop drinking or whatever, right? Yeah. I just see evidence that there are people who make a positive change. You know, it seems like it's permanent. You know, they're doing it for, say, a couple of years, mm-hmm. and something happens that triggers them, and they lose it even after a long period of time. Well, you just said it. You use this word trigger. Right, of what, course. What, what was that word trigger? That hadn't been identified. See, this is working through consciousness of what you described. The trigger is stimulated by the amygdala. And it, it's this response that stimulates dopamine. And this hasn't been addressed. And this is what Blueprint is all about. Blueprint for changes. The word says it all. And the symbols address this. They address the other side of the trigger system. That is what this this mythology is targeting, the other side of the trigger system. Most of what you explained there is the problem. The trigger I system do... re- remains in place because it hasn't been addressed, it hasn't been understood. I do think it can get easier, but you always have to be vigilant because it is possible, even after a long period of time, to slip backwards. If you haven't altered it. You know, consciousness has no concept of time. So when we talk about heal the child within, we hear that term a lot. Well, the true meaning of that is re-stimulate, reprocess the experiences of the child. That's our core behavior. And it's in place every day with no concept of time. It has no flexibility. It, 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 it doesn't change. It remains very rigid. What does alter, of course, is the experiences, the environment. But the belief system that was absorbed as that child, that structure, just utilizes the environment differently, different triggers. It expands, it evolves with our ever-changing environment. But the trigger system is still there unless that is reprocessed, re-stimulated. And the adult, as we perceive us to be, a lot of the mythology doesn't enable us to connect with on the other side of the trigger system. This is the hard part. Consciousness alone cannot do it. You know, we have a lot of questions, you know, people saying, well, I understand that. We understand how that works. When we explain the process of the symbols, 
you listen to it consciously to connect the stimulation of the symbol to the sound, and now you do it in silent. Why, they say. And I say, for the very reason you just said you understand. Yeah, but why silent? For the very reason you just said you understand. (laughs) That this is is beyond consciousness, subconsciousness. So we, we can't involve that. Why, they say. And it's like, because the very reason you said that what you believe. So you're going in circles. What we find is their belief has been learned from words, books, conscious experiences. But the actual belief does not involve that part of the brain. So all the time, all the education we put in, we've got to say, hmm, okay, I guess I've got to put that down. Yeah, but I can't. I spent so much time on this, it seems like I'm discrediting myself. My time, my efforts, the money I've spent, put it down. Are you trying to say that this has no value? No. I'm saying it brought you to this point, and now it's time to move on, advance from this. Well, the more educated we are in this concept, the more time we put in, the more credibility we've given it, the harder it becomes for the individual to let go. But I'm open, they say. And they say, O-P-E-N. They say, very clever, you can spell it. I said, so can you. What does it mean? Well, I've learned to be open, I said, but unfortunately, you've got to put that back. Are you trying to say that openness means nothing? Put it back. Receptive? Um, receptive is a conscious understanding. It's like painting in black and white. And I've got to paint in black and white. That's where my education is. And I say, we want you to use red. They go, "Uh, can't do that. They go, well, we also want you to use blue and yellow. I paint in black and white. I can't do that. And I say, okay, so we've got to find a new canvas somewhere. Well, i just got to stop doing this. Yes, you've got to stop doing it. You've just said red, blue, and yellow, what we're looking for, cannot be accommodated here. So we've, we've got to start. And so all of this, I've wasted my time. No, you haven't wasted your time. It took you to the understanding of letting this go to move on. And this is the problem. It's a big problem. When do we know it's when do we know it's time to let a relationship go? <laughs> I'm not even gonna go there. Okay. <laughs> I mean I mean what do we ask a questionnaire? What's that? You know? we give them a questionnaire. Um, <laughs> that is so individual. Okay. All and right. you fine. know, it, it's so there's so many aspects of this, and it, it's like I I heard somebody talking the other day, and they said, you know, if somebody tells me my husband's cheating on me, then I'll let him go. Then it's over. And I said, do you think he is? Yes, I do. 
<laughs> I say, so why why does it take somebody else to tell you that when you already know? You go, well, I'm not sure. And I go, well, so somebody else is saying, hey, by the way, I think your husband's cheating on you. That's what you need? How do you know you can trust them? Mm-hmm. So it it's it's like a goal you're setting or a deciding factor that really doesn't exist. You're setting yourself up to a perceived level of understanding that now you can do it. it it's like it doesn't work that way. What I'm learning from you as I'm writing your book mm-hmm. is that it's a choice every single time something comes up. Thank you know, you. It's, it's that yeah. it's that conscious, conscious choice. So and anyway, the, you know, with the rela- with the relationship, if we come to that point to make the choice, you know, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. Eventually, we're going to create an action. Right, right. You know, interestingly enough, about the same day that you wrote that last book, Annette was working on a blog. I don't know if you oh, visited Blueprint the last chapter? Yeah, she wrote a blog. And um, it's about law of attraction, why it doesn't work for 99% of people. Mm -hmm. If you look at, go to the website, blueprintforchanges.com and look at the blog, it's it's a lot of what we're talking about here in a way and how people focus on words when we're looking for action. And there is, there's a big difference between a word and an action. It's not associated. Right. You know, we right. perceive that I can do, I can do, I can do is going to help us. It's like you're stimulating a structure that does not orchestrate action. It does not. So you're, the more you do this, the more you're practicing actually not doing something. Well, I can do, I can do this. I can do it. Stop. Just do it. Yeah, but I can do it. I can, it's like, Oh my goodness, you're wasting all your energy and all that pursued motivation is going into a stimulation of the brain that has nothing to do with behaviorism. Hmm. Einstein stated, words utilized today, written or spoken, have little or nothing to do with behaviorism. I think he was just being political by saying little. I believe it has nothing to do with behaviorism. Right. So we we want an action or we want a word? What's the big right. question? And the first place is you stop the word by doing nothing. Okay, let's start to utilize that energy in a different way. Cool. And eventually, eventually an action is going to come out of it. Well, they not only observed and made a choice of not doing that, they actually did something different without even thinking about it. Is what happens. And and that's where you say you'll sort it out, you know. Yeah, your brain will. Your brain right. is used to momentum, doing something. So doing nothing, 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 eventually without even thinking about it, your brain is going to work an alternative out. Right. And that's what and we call alternatives. Any closing thoughts before we wrap up today? Um, no, I think it took a life of its own. 
Yeah. Yeah. Which it yeah. seems too, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good, good. Okay. Good, good. I'm looking forward uh, yeah, to Yeah, I will say chapter. I will say I will say something that might help. Um I had a meeting last night with um a long term friend of mine. It it's person who really diagnosed me with Asperger's actually. Um and um they're they're in a, a corporate situation that they say is worst, the most dysfunctional corporate situation you could ever imagine. Now, if you knew who these people were, what they did, they help a lot of people through issues like this. But their own corporate situation is terrible. I, I've known about this situation for about 10, 15 years, and I... They told me they were going there, and I was like, uh, you, you may want to rethink. And they go, why? And I said, I can't tell you why, but just, just I can tell you I know. And they go, well, I know how you would know. I said, don't do it. They did it. So last night, we were talking about the symbols being introduced into a corporate layout. And I explained how hard it is for people to observe themselves. So they're going to talk to Annette and they're going to set up a questionnaire with these 30 people if they will allow this to happen, to choose a symbol, do the process, but other people to evaluate them. So every, you know, the questionnaire when it comes to is everybody expecting, the, well, what have you felt? And they say, well, what do you think about the person who works next to you? Have you noticed any changes in them? So it's very similar to the, what's the person that, that does drawings for police and that when somebody gives them a description and they draw the presumed profile? Oh, like the police, police drawings? Yeah. They had an yeah. expert. It's on YouTube and it's, it's fascinating. This guy is good. I think he worked for Los Angeles LAPD. And he had the person behind the screen describe themselves and he draws them. And I mean, this guy is good. Then. He has another person describe this person, and he draws them. And you look at the difference between the two drawings. It's stunning. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the people broke down in tears when they saw the difference to how they see themselves and how somebody else. So we're going to use this. So instead of them evaluating themselves, they're going to evaluate other people. Wow. So, <laughs> Good call. So that, Thank you. Yeah. When do you want to do it again? Okay, uh, I get it. My, uh, hang on here. You, you, you see? Keep it in your head. Come on. You carry it with what? you all the time. Keep your calendar in your head. I know <laughs> you want me to do that. Okay. Uh, I could do it next Friday at the same time. Next Friday. What date is next Friday? Uh, that's the 27th. 10.30 yeah. your time? Yeah, I think the next Friday I'm busy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're busy. Okay, how about no, the, um, no, 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 no. The next Friday after that. That's what oh, I was I thinking. Okay. Yeah, I know. I know. I've got the next Friday after that. It's either that Friday you just said, but when you said the date, it's the next Friday. So I'm okay. Okay, so the 27th is okay. Yeah. Yep. 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 Okay. Cool. We will do it. Do it. Go and look at the uh, blueprintforchanges.com. I will. And give me. Give me feedback. Yeah? I will. I will. Cool. I'm looking forward to seeing Annette's writing. So. Oh, she's done a good job. Really good, good. job. Good. Alrighty.
All right. Take care. Have a great day. And you have a great day and a great week. Okay, cool. Thanks. All right. Bye then. All right. Bye-bye.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.